Welcome to the Emmaus Fellowship Teaching Podcast. We trust you find this encouraging. Emmaus Fellowship is located at 205 North Pine Street in Woodland Park, Colorado. Our phone number is 719-687-6061. We trust you find this encouraging as you pour over God's Word with us. Gave me a voice and a song Taught me how to sing So let me read out of Colossians 1, 26 through 27, and we'll kind of jump into a space together where the Lord can encourage our hearts. There is a divine mystery, a secret surprise that has been concealed from the world for generations But now it's being revealed, unfolded and manifested for every holy believer to experience. Living within you is the Christ who floods you with an expectation of glory. This mystery of Christ embedded within us becomes a heavenly treasure chest of hope filled with the riches of glory for his people. And God wants everyone to know it. I'm reading this out of the Passion Translation, which some of you are just discovering, some of you have an issue with. I love it. I I don't mind it. I, I love how it reads. I love this. To me, there's such an encouragement here. So here's what I'd like for you to do. Before I jump into, like, you know, just drawing from this passage, I'd like for you to use your imagination for a moment. How many of you have ever driven... The Deckers Road from like 285 into Woodland Park. Okay, so from Pine Junction, you're driving this way, all right? So I want you to imagine that. Some of you have been on that road. It's a a nice windy road if you ride a motorcycle. It's really fun and dangerous. Um, But here's the thing I want you to remember about that drive. In that drive, you will see some high-level beauty. Like there are peaks that are in the distance that are white-capped and beautiful. And maybe if it was in this fall season, you saw the gold leaves that were kind of leading up to the alpine tundra. And then as you're driving through that, uh, the windy section, you start to recognize that the closer hills have been burnt up by a forest fire. And so there's a burned-out section of forest. And then as you make your way kind of through that burned out forest and you descend down into the valley, you get to this river that has a really wide meadow on either side of it that has this beautiful ranch with horses out there. And and the river is like so inefficiently windy. It's like way over here and then way over here. And it just... The water's moving. I mean, there's quite a bit of water that moves through that valley, but it's meandering at that section, and it just seems so slow and peaceful. I just wanted you to think about that for a moment. (laughs) We'll get back to it. Christ in you, the hope of glory. We've been talking about glory. Brian came a couple months ago. He came last month, well, a few weeks ago. And then during the Aspen Grow video and then now today, I want to continue to just push out this idea of God's glory on the earth. 
I love it um, that we, we not only have an anticipation that we can experience God's glory like the people of God have done throughout Scripture. Like, for example, when the people of God walked through the wilderness, there was a manifestation of God's glory, either in a pillar of fire or a cloud. It was like the presence of God. And the glory of God became their orientation. They moved with it. They actually oriented their hearts towards the presence of God, and that informed where they were going to go when. And so we can have this expectation that we can experience the glory of God like outside of ourselves, that there are things about you know, nature or there's things about the world that we experience. There are supernatural, mysterious things that we can experience that are outside of ourselves that we can be witness to and they can draw our hearts to the presence of God. They can wow us. They can mystify us. They can uh, even frighten us a bit. Um, some of you don't think that fear go hand in hand with the presence of God, but you remember every single time an angel shows up, one of the first things they say is fear not. There's a reason. You know, once you get kind of your heart gets reoriented to the fact, okay, I don't actually have to be afraid here, then it begins to like fill you with wonder and awe. And that's the fear of the Lord. That's amazing. All right, so the glory of God is intended to be on display. Um, the glory of God is going to fill the earth. I believe that's prophetically pronounced. It's going to happen. It is happening. The glory of God is filling the earth. The glory of God is filling the earth. Um, I listened to, uh, I've been listening to this folk singer. He's out of Canada. He's a guy that, you know, some people really like and some people, you know, they they don't, and it's okay. I like him. His name is Bruce Coburn, and he writes his song, and it's like, um, sometimes this world looks blessed, sometimes it looks cursed. Uh, I, I don't know if I got the words quite right. It, it depends on um, what you look at, obviously, but even more, it depends on the way that you see. So how do we see? I mean, do we see with a filter that fills our hearts with despair? Like, do we see the world devoid of God's glory? Or are we able to see the glory of God? I think it would be wise for us to ask God to give us eyes to see the glory of God. Because it will continue to orient us. It will continue to help us know the direction and the timing. And there's wisdom in the presence of God. There's wisdom in his glory. And I would just say that this is really a cry of my heart. It has been for many, many years since I've been here at Emmaus Fellowship, formerly New Covenant Christian Fellowship, formerly First Baptist Church of Woodland Park, formerly Bethel Baptist Church. This church has been around, people. And I've been here for a long time too, 26 years in December, and I have prayed for God's glory to be on display through this fellowship since I got here. Now, I've interpreted that different ways in different seasons over these last 25 years. Um, but suffice it to say that God knows best how to, um, how to bring it. And so I want to ask for God to bring his glory to this fellowship and to this community in the way that he knows we need it. I'm asking for you that now, God. Here's the thing that I also know 
is that God's glory is intended to be on display in the lives of Christ followers. It's Christ in you, the hope of what? Glory. Christ in you, the hope of glory. George and I, we had this great little conversation. George, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to piggyback off of some things that you and I talked about because it was really inspiring to me. And, um, you know, one of the things that we talked about was, um, you know, just the fact that God's glory in the human being, it's a treasure in a jar of clay. And uh, it is his glory that, what did it say here? This mystery in Christ embedded within us becomes the heavenly treasure chest of hope filled with the riches of glory for his people. And God wants everybody to know it. He wants us to remember it. He wants to change the way that we see, not only the world around us, but how we see ourselves, right? So the question of how do you see me, God, uh, some of you may have dismissed it if you started hearing things like, I see you as glorious. You're like, no, no, I'm talking about me. (laughs) Yeah, so is he. And so I'm... I'm pretty convinced, and I'm going to come into this humbly. I just want to offer this thought. Um, When I stepped in here this morning, I felt like I had been up against the ropes. You know? Like, you know what I mean by that? Like taking a few to the ribs this week. And... um, and so I'm going to practice what Paul did. You know, he says, if I'm going to boast about anything, it's going to be about my weakness. But I felt a little bit beat up coming in. And it wasn't anything y'all did. I mean, you're, you guys are part of my relief. Thank you. But I would say this, that, uh, that coming into this, I'm really, I'm really acutely aware that we are in a battle. That we are actually in a battle. And I don't know what your spiritual worldview is. I don't know if you dismiss things like Satan and his associates, foul spirits, demons. I don't know if you dismiss all of that. Or if you're, you know, maybe feeling a little more enlightened and you're like, well, actually, it's the chemicals in the brain and it's the, uh, you know, it's the biological responses to stress. And actually, you know what? That's true, too. And I would say that while the enemy may not have necessarily like um, been causal to a lot of the issues that we experience in life, he is definitely a contributor, right? Taking full advantage, full advantage, any opportunity to take the wind out of our sails, to knock the feet out from under us, and to rob us of our glory. And so... I just felt a little push, like, come on, off the ropes. Let's call it out. I'm okay calling it out because I know that greater is he who is in me than he who's in the world. And where the enemy wants to rob you and I of the glory that God has put in us, like, okay, let me pause there. Some of you are going to argue with me. You're going to look at that verse in the scripture and you're going to be like, God said it right there. I will not share my glory with another. You're not another. You're his bride. You are his body. Jesus said it in John 17. Father, the glory that you have given to me, I give to them. I give it to them. It's yours. Oh, and by the way, he's the glory. And he's in you. Right? So, um, let me just uh, call some things out. Evil is intent on robbing you of your glory. 
and using as little effort as possible to do it. Let me just explain what I mean by that. A few moments of abuse. A careless statement by a trusted caregiver. A loss. That is all it takes in these moments where the insidious nature of evil will attempt to plant a seed of shame or fear, not the godly fear, or falsehood. It's in these moments of despair that we are so susceptible to making an agreement with evil. And if we make an agreement with shame, if we make an agreement with a false belief, it's really a covenant relationship with evil. And that's the only ground the enemy needs to rob you of some aspect of God's glory that is to be on display in your life. And Jesus knows that. And I'm saying this with the greatest compassion. I realize that the enemy is ruthless, doesn't play fair, gets you when you're the weakest at your most low point of despair and brokenness, and just, oh, that's why I'm like off the ropes. Let's go, because I actually hate him. And I hate what he's doing to people. All right? So in this, the enemy of God's glory can accomplish some things, like in those few moments of abuse, for example. The enemy can accomplish some things that can last a lifetime. And so I just want to just share some thoughts with you that if we make some agreements with evil, even in its most subtle form, and you know the most subtle forms are the forms that have some nugget of truth in it. Like, for example, it's true that your hearts were made to desire. It's true that when you have a longing in your heart, it orients you towards the greatest thing that God has for you, which is his glory. It's the answer to that longing, which is the most incredible, legitimate fulfillment of your heart. It is the abundant life that God has offered to you and I. And if the enemy in any way, shape, or form can convince you that your desires will get you in trouble, or that your desires will cause you to be harmed in some way, then you will learn to dissociate from your desires, and the enemy will essentially disconnect you from your heart, since your heart is the birthplace of desire. I know I just went into the deep end, real deep. And again, with the most compassionate offering I can, I want to say the reason why I'm bringing this up is to call some things into the light because the invitation is for us to be courageous and not stay disconnected from our hearts, but to actually trust that the hope that we have for glory is found in the person of Jesus and he's in you. So there's a restoration that can be found in Jesus. Where the enemy has attempted to rob you, Jesus is bringing newness of life. 
If we stay disconnected from our hearts, then we're staying disconnected from the very place that Jesus wants to bring his restoration. So I'm not offering this in any way to like reinforce any shame or like hesitation that you have. I'm just simply calling it out so that you can hear the invitation to go deeper with Jesus in the place of your own heart. All right? So here's, here's how I see it. Um, there's a hope that we have in Christ, and this hope of glory is about restoration. And here's how I see it. Um, it harkens back, and this is part of what George and I were talking about. It harkens back to the commission that God gave Adam and Eve, right? What did he say? Be fruitful and fill the earth. All right? And it's actually echoed in Jesus. Like Jesus actually says, go into all the earth, be fruitful, and reconcile people to me. Like every tribe, every nation to me. The secret's out. I am their hope of glory too. All right? And so the evidence of Christ in you, the evidence of Christ's words in you, okay, is what? It's fruit. Be fruitful. Be fruitful. I'm talking now, I'm shifting the gear a little bit to talk about how can our hearts express and display the glory if we've been in this space of like having been battered and having been disconnected from our own hearts. Here's where the hope comes in. Here we are. You are made to be fruitful. All right? You're made to be fruitful. And what are the fruits? Okay, so a lot of us, we think that the evidence that the Holy Spirit lives within our lives is like spiritual gifts. Yeah, maybe. But honestly, what's behind the spiritual gift? I've seen people exercise spiritual gifts from a heart that's really like prideful and doesn't really love anybody, but actually they're exercising these gifts. So more importantly, the fruits of the Holy Spirit are the evidence of Christ in you, the evidence of his words in you. And what are those fruits? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Remember the parable of the seeds that are being cast out onto the soil. And some of those seeds fall onto thorny ground, and some of them fall on the hard, rocky ground, and some of them fall on the good soil. And the seeds that fall on the good soil, they bear fruit, fruit that remains you know that he's talking about your heart, right? Here's where I'm tying it together. Your heart is made to be fruitful. And the fruit of the Holy Spirit is glorious. And the fruit of the Holy Spirit displayed in your lives is what brings the glory to the forefront. Because when we talk about the conditions of our heart, there are thorny places. There are rocky, hard places. Those are the areas of your soul that the enemy has damaged to prevent the glorious fruit from multiplying in your life, right? And so in any way that your life does not display, I'm, by your life, I mean your life, Chris, any, any place that, the, that my life does not display the fruit of the Spirit, that's an area of my heart that is being drawn into deeper healing by the restorative work of Jesus. There's the connect point for us. So 
we draw from this encouragement of Proverbs 4.23 where it says, above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. You've heard this, right? So what about this? The word guard here can be interpreted, attend to your heart. Watch over it. Pay attention. Be aware. Be attuned. All right? It's basically the opposite of disconnect from your heart. Dissociate from your heart and its desires. It's actually saying no. Step towards it. Pay attention. Look at it. For from it flows the wellspring of life. Now, um, the word heart here, yasa. I'm not a Hebrew scholar like Roger over here, but I can tell you this, that it actually means seasons, your heart. It's like, especially springtime. This word is used to denote springtime. So pay attention to your heart, for from it can flow springtime life. So out of your heart flows the seasons of life. It's your heart, not your age, not your circumstances that shape the seasons of your life, right? And so if your hearts are tender to God, if your hearts have been like like an invitation for Jesus to come in and do a restorative work, then guess what? You can live in a more perpetual springtime. I love this idea. And it can be the seedbed of glory, the glory of Christ on display in the earth. Christ in you brings that fruitfulness. And that's how we will fulfill the Great Commission. Because you know what? The fruit, the fruit of the Spirit is actual. Like it's like it translates to actually how you treat people. You know, how you respond, how you react. And the way that we treat people, I mean, what does it say? Uh, the world will know you by what? The love that you have. It's like by the fruit of your lives. You're going to be like known. And so I just offer that just as a, a real clear sort of like understanding that the glory of God on display in the lives of Christ followers translates to the fruit of the Holy Spirit being lived out in actual terms. It doesn't have to be this ethereal thing out there. It can I love it when God shows up and wows me and, and mystifies me. There's a story behind that I'll tell you at another time. But it's awesome how the Lord invites us to both. And both the mystery and the magnitude and the wonder and also just down to earth, meeting people where they're at in the most raw sense of the term. All right? So it's yes and. I'm so distracted. I love baby cries. But can you close those doors? I only love them in the sense that, you know, they remind us of innocence and the permission to actually make your needs known. And right now I need those doors closed. (laughs) Thanks. So one of the things I do um, is, I do a few things around here, but one of the things I do is I offer times where I facilitate what I call formational prayer sessions with people. This might be new language for some of you. Some of you have heard this for years now, and you're like, oh, here we go again. It's what I do. I love it. It's one of the things that I experience some of the most fruit. And, um, and so I always love having a front row seat on the restorative work of Jesus in people's lives. 
I'm so privileged to be able to see that and to be witness to that. And sometimes I do that like on regular like orbits, you know, like once a week or once every month. People will have an hour and a half time with me and maybe with me and Tiffany or whatever. And, um, and then there's other times where people live far away and they might come for what I call an intensive. And it really is intensive. I mean, the last time I did this was a couple weeks ago. And I have explicit permission to share this from this gentleman. So just know that I'm not going to share your stories with anyone unless you give me permission, right? But I have specific permission to share parts of this story because this gentleman is in full-time ministry. He's been in ministry. It's an international ministry. He's been a, he's on staff right now at a church, um, has been for many, many years, last 20, 24 years. Fully immersed. And he's coming to me with like this, like, white flag of surrender, like, help. And, and we started to talk about, um, you know how your physical heart has four chambers. And we started to make this analogy that one of the challenges he was having is there feels like such an encroachment on his heart of all these people. And he can't sort it out. He's like, he's feeling overwhelmed and he just would rather just hit the eject button some days, you know? And so we started to talk about the four chambers of your heart in the sense of like, there's place for people and not everyone has access to every part of your heart or every part of your life. This is part of that preserving, like guarding your heart for from it flows the wellspring. If all the people have all the access and they have like these like Sucking sounds coming around, like trying to draw everything out of you all the time. Then you're like, huh, no wonder you got a white flag over your head. But if you have like a a sense of discernment, like, God, who have you put in my heart and where do they belong? We can have a lot of first chamber friends, associates. We have fewer second chamber friends, confidants. 2 a.m. friends, they're the ones you call at 2 a.m. when you really need something. There's actually very, very few that are the third chamber friends. Maybe your spouse, maybe a dear friend that you've had for many years. And I would venture to say, as I shared with my friend, uh, that Jesus is your only fourth chamber friend. You're not even your best fourth chamber friend. (laughs) Right? (laughs) And so... uh, So anyway, we started talking a little bit about that. You know, like there's a place that Jesus has taken up residence in your heart that's reserved just for him. And that's the mystery that has been revealed, Christ in you. And that's your hope of glory. During the time of prayer that I have with people, I ask them to just allow the Holy Spirit to take over their imagination. If they see pictures then we'll validate that as maybe something that God is using to help them understand what he's saying to them. Sometimes people don't see pictures. Sometimes they hear things or they have sensations. Sometimes people see colors. Sometimes people hear music. All of that's good. It's just like for my friend, in this particular instance on this intensive, he was seeing lots of visionaries like pictures. He was having these pictures. And so I asked Jesus, with my friend's permission, to show my friend a picture of my friend's heart in its current condition. 
and he had his hands out like this, and he's like, Jesus, will you show me a picture of my heart as you see it in my current condition? And that's when we took the drive from Pine Junction with high-level beauty moving through burned-out forests into a deep, lush valley with a beautiful, peaceful river. He goes, that's my heart. Then later, I asked him if he would like to go to a safe place with me. Now, here's the thing. He's familiar with formational prayer, and he's familiar with like a safe place with Jesus. And he kind of like popped out for a second. He's like, I have a really hard time going to a safe place. I was like, well, let's put that in the past tense. You've had a really hard time going to a safe place. Today's a new day. Let's see what Jesus wants to do for you. So we go into this place of just position yourself to receive and ask Jesus to bring you into a place, maybe a familiar place that you've been to before or maybe a place that he's making custom made for you today, but it's a safe place for you, for your heart, for you to just be in. And he had this picture, and guess where he showed up? His safe place was on this dock next to the river in the deep valley just beyond the burned-out forest and the high-level beauty. I won't go into all the details, but I will say for the next three days, this man and Jesus, oh, and I had a conversation with him two days ago, and two weeks later, he is still meeting with Jesus in this safe place, and Jesus is speaking specific things to him and grounding him in ways that is bringing restoration to his heart. Oh, and guess what? The safest place for my friend with Jesus was actually, remember the picture? What is it? Show me a picture of my heart. His safest place was actually in his heart with Jesus. Not somewhere way out there, but here. Um, So what once eluded my friend as a safe place with Jesus has now become a vibrant reality for him. And the key for him is that a safe place with Jesus is actually in his own heart, even with the burned out forest. And he had grown to distrust his own heart and its ability to actually, you know, be the source, this springtime life, this glory, this fourth chamber of his heart. He's actually had a hard time connecting with that. You see how Jesus is so kind and so gracious to invite us back home to the place that he showed up in when you asked Jesus to come into your heart. I love it. And so anyway, um, at one point throughout his time with the Lord, Jesus grabbed him by the face. Are you okay with me saying these things? I mean, it's like, what? That actually happened? Like, yeah, Jesus actually, in, in the interior life that he has with God now, which is incredibly vibrant, and Jesus is there. Remember, this is a mystery that has been revealed, and it's for all of us to know that Jesus is in you, and he is your hope of glory. And so Jesus, taking his face in his hands, looks at him and says, it is finished. And he said that in the context of the rule of evil in these areas of your heart, it's finished. 
It's no longer like he no longer has dominion of this place in your heart because I have a greater authority, Jesus is saying. Oh, and greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world, right? So I have the greater authority and I have dismissed the agreements that you have made with evil all these years of your life and now your glory gets to be more and more on display as this part of your heart, this burned out aspect of your heart, this rocky, thorny place of your heart that could not bear fruit until now is being restored by Jesus. Because when when you hear Jesus say, it is finished, can you also hear Jesus say, it's beginning Revelation 21.5, I am making all things new. That's the hope that we have, friends. And so I witnessed my friend meeting Jesus again for what felt to him like the first time in some ways. And when Jesus stretched out his arms on the cross and he reconciled us to himself, when he says, it is finished, He's saying the authority of Satan and his associates in your life has been overthrown. I've actually done away with that. You no longer are bound to that. And you can come into newness of life. And so how does Jesus meet with you? How is Jesus encouraging you to find a safe place with him in your own heart? You know? These are big questions that take time to navigate, but I will tell you it takes more than time. It takes courage. It takes courage to step into that. It takes courage to actually allow Jesus to enter into places. Because one of the greatest challenges of my friend the other day was, look, there's a lot of pain here. I don't actually want to go back. And it's the valley of the shadow of death where we will fear no evil. For Jesus is with us. And he prepares a table before us in the presence of our enemies. And that's glorious. Okay, I'm off the ropes. I'm fully engaged. I'm so having a good time right now. Because this is the truth that we have grounded our faith in. That Jesus is the restorer. And where the enemy has meant to bring destruction... Jesus has come to make all things new, all right? So with that, I'd love to pray with you. So Jesus, we extend our hands and we extend our hearts, and we know that there's, um, there's a complexity to all of this that only you know how to navigate. And just like the children of God in the desert, they followed your presence. They followed you. So we want to follow you into these places of our heart. We want to follow you into the restorative work. We want to find you in the places that we have walled off or we have killed in the way of desire. Jesus, thank you for the invitation to find newness of life today and to experience a new level of hope in you in our own hearts. And so, Lord, would you just give us now just a moment, a pause? Is there anything that you would like to say or anything that you would like to show each person individually in their own hearts? We give you time to do that now. 
Thank you, Jesus, for the invitation to abide with you and you with us because it's in that place that we will be fruitful. And I thank you for the fruit of your Holy Spirit. I thank you that it is not a to-do list. It's a way of being in response to your healing and restorative work in our hearts. And so, Jesus, could you silence the voices of diminishment, any lying spirit now in Jesus' name? We just pray for clarity, new eyes to see, new ears to hear what you're doing, what you're saying. Jesus, we trust you in this, and we know that today is just one encouraging step of many. And so, Lord, we thank you that you're here and you're present and you go with us. So I ask now, Lord Jesus, would you take your hands and would you place them under each heart and would you hold our hearts and lift our hearts and sustain us? Thank you for sealing what you're doing by your Holy Spirit. Thank you that we are hidden in you and in you we live and breathe and have our very existence. And I pray this in your beautiful name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. It's our joy to offer these podcasts. We sure hope you enjoyed it. If you have any questions, any prayer requests, feel free to drop us a line at Fellowship at iCloud.com. If you're curious about ways you can be more deeply involved in this community, visit our website at EmmausFellowship.org and be sure to like our Facebook page.